Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. And uh, this program is not right versus left. It is right versus wrong. This is where Catholicism and culture intersect. I'm reporting for duty, and I'm the Latin lover of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Latin lover of Our Lady. And this is Terry Barber, the Lebanese lover of Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the Lebanese lover of Our Lady. Jesse, today we have a special edition, the Bishop Strickland Hour that we normally do on Tuesday. Uh, I asked him to come on board today because I love what the diocese is doing in regards to reparation, expiation, you know, penance, uh, you know, fasting, all the stuff that we used to do. I'm sorry, did I say that? Yeah, that kind of stuff, old school stuff. <laughs> Bishop Strickland, welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. Thanks, Terry. Hey, Jesse. <laughs> hey, Bishop, good, good to see you again. Yeah, Bishop Strickland. I, I saw, I, where'd you I see saw him? him over at, uh, at Baltimore, Maryland a That's few right. weeks ago. That's right. Yeah. For the march. With Bishop Coffee. Yes. Yeah. And, and of course, as, as usual, he always comes and, gre- and, and uh, <laughs> greets and talks to the lay people. Uh, As usual. (laughs) That's important. Bishop Strickland, I asked you to come on today because I like what you're doing, as I said, in the Diocese of Tyler. Small little Tyler, Texas. and I mean, it's in a a small town compared to all these major cities. And you're doing something regarding reparation and atonement. And I just want to ask you uh, what Mm -hmm. you're doing. And then I want to ask, this seems also appropriate, not just for what happened yesterday in the Senate, but also in our church, because there's a lot of sacrileges that are going on inside and out the churches all over the world. Just look at Germany as an example. So tell us what you're doing and why you're doing it. Well, thanks, Terry. Um, What you're referring to is what we call Gaudete Week, Mm -hmm. um, taking on the third Sunday of Advent, which is Gaudete Sunday. Uh, Joyful, it's another word for joyful in Latin, and it's, uh, it's similar to Laetari Sunday in Lent, to the same thing, to in this penitential time. And I think as we were talking before, I think a lot of people have sort of lost track of Advent as a penitential time. And especially in this time, um, I'm constantly p- praying for my own repentance, reparation, and atonement, as you were saying, because we there are many blasphemies, there's such evil, there's powerful darkness in the world. We never despair, and that's why I think it's important to connect it to Gaudete Sunday, that joyful Sunday where the priest wears rose-colored vestments, and there's a joyful tone to this penitential season. Um, I think it's important to emphasize the joy, because then hopefully it strengthens us to emphasize the rest of the penitential season to repent and to really refocus our lives. Advent happens very quickly in a very busy time of the year as people are all, I mean, it's all getting ready for Christmas, which is what Advent is, but we're really not getting ready for Christmas in the culture. It's already there. I mean, everything's Christmas, and sadly, pretty much at noon on Christmas Day, Christmas will start to disappear, and by Monday of that next week, it'll all be looking at Valentine's Day or maybe a a little mention of New Year's, but um, there's a whole season that we're preparing for, and I think we need to pay attention to that. So that's what this Gaudete week is about. I invite people here in Tyler Mm -hmm. to join me for adoration of our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. 
we have a mass at 7 a.m., the traditional daily mass of the cathedral. So for all those weekdays leading up to uh, Gaudete Sunday, which is December 11th this year, so from December 5th all the way through to Sunday, we'll have adoration and then mass. On Saturday, it's a little bit later. People can sleep in a little. It does, adoration won't start till 7 a.m. And then back a little earlier on Sunday, because the first Sunday Mass at the cathedral is at 6.30, so adoration will begin at 5. So I'll have to eat my Wheaties and try to get some <laughs> sleep somewhere along the way. But uh, I just, and I know, you know, many people in Tyler won't come to the cathedral at 6 a.m. or for the adoration. But uh, I encourage people, if they can, they're certainly welcome. And we do get a, a good gathering of people and most importantly, to join us in prayer. Yes. And that's what I wanted to emphasize. And that's why I'm glad you invited me to interrupt uh, your broadcast with a, a little advertisement from Tyler, because really the beauty of what we can do today, we can be aware of something like this. And whatever time zone we're in, wherever we are, that's we can join in the prayer. And that's the most important thing. Thankfully, prayer is not limited to time and space. It's our giving our hearts over to the Lord and growing in his grace, turning from sin. So we can all do that wherever we are. Well said. <clears throat> Bishop Strickland, we take a show, you do a show with us on Tuesdays every week. And I wanted to, uh, we're going to uh, just give people a sense of what that show's all about. Uh, for example, you, you get all your tweets and you tweet about things that are happening in the church and in the world. I'd like to just get one quick comment about a tweet you sent regarding yesterday's uh, the you said sadly our legislators aren't willing to open their hearts and minds to the truth that god has revealed to us their vote will not change the truth but it will further damage our nation our nation under god is becoming a fractured nation without god a dangerous place to be now this is referring to so-called marriage um, they call it same, well, it's basically same-sex marriage they're trying to promote it they don't call it that. But um, uh, why are you speaking out so much on this? Uh, because I, we talked about it saying it's so important that if you don't get the family right, you get nothing right. Yeah, well, and that's why I think it's so important to uh, mm -hmm. address that because the marriage and, marriage and family are the bedrock of civilization, yeah. not just of the church, not just of a nation, but of, of human civilization. Mm -hmm. And... You know the responses that you get from people. It, it just shows how how little how out of touch with the truth we are. Yeah. Because as I was talking to someone here in the diocese, our Catholic faith for us as Catholics, too many are treating it like an accessory <laughs> that they may or may not add to their daily routine. It's just an accessory. I can accessorize and go to mass or say a prayer or not. And many people that are Catholic treat it that way. And then certainly the culture treats it as really an accessory that they, many people would just love to get rid of. Just finally, this Catholic church goes away. It's not going to happen because the truth doesn't go away. And Jesus Christ is the truth. So we've got to continue to be faithful. And that's why Gaudete week is, is about remembering what the truth is, remembering Jesus Christ as truth incarnate. And when 
when we lose touch with that, we do things like we're doing in this culture. Yeah. We try to redefine marriage and redefine what a man is or what a woman is. It's ridiculous. Yep. It's harmful. It's evil. And as a bishop, I feel obligated to speak up. And I know people tell me all the time, quit talking so much. Pipe down. I'm not going to pipe down because I've got a voice and I feel an obligation Amen. to share the truth. It's a joyful message. It's good news. Yep. That's what Advent is all about, preparing for the light of the world. And that's what the world needs to do. Well, Bishop, I just want to congratulate you because you inspired people all over the country. I know the uh, Temple of Satan went over to Tyler, Texas and ha had some kind of a little, I don't know, they call it an unbaptism ceremony or something like that. And I know you went out there uh, the night before and you prayed around the area where they were going to be having their little festival. Uh, that, uh, <clears throat> that's been watched by a lot of people around the country. And that was very inspirational to see a bishop go out there and pray with his flock. Uh, prayers of protection before these uh, Satanists came to town. So I just want to just say that uh, people took notice of what you did. Uh, also want to ask you, so how many Catholics live in Tyler, Texas? Just just curious. Uh, well, in the diocese, we have about 120,000. So, okay. you know, a good-sized parish for, for some of the oh, no. large archdiocese. But uh, faithful people, and uh, we're not majority Catholic at all. We're probably still less than 10% Catholic. Wow. Okay. Bishop uh, Rick, let me jump in and just say, for those who are listening, I, I, I describe you as a bishop who speaks not your truth, God's truth, which every bishop should be doing. But we all know that's not the case right now. I want to encourage our listeners, it's the end of the year. Yeah, I'd like you to write a check to the Diocese of Tyler. Why? Because here's a bishop who's standing up. He's constantly, every week, he's speaking out for God's truth. If you don't believe me, listen to his show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio every Tuesday. And I think LifeSite News is picking it up and putting it on their Sunday shows. And so we're getting a lot of exposure. But I want to ask you, and Chip Bishop isn't asking, I'm asking for him to write a check, the year-end check that people write for donations. Say, is this a diocese I want to support even though I'm not there? Yeah. Does that mean, I'm going to say it, yeah. Maybe you don't write the check to your normal diocese because you're seeing all kinds of bad things. Okay, support where you you put your pocket, put your money where your faith is, and I would just encourage you to consider seriously writing a check to the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. You can get the address by going online. Just put Tyler Diocese, Texas. Bishop Strickland, I uh, thank you for taking the time to share this information with our listeners, and we will join you, please God, uh, for that prayer. Thanks so much. Thanks, Terry. God love you, Terry and Jesse. God bless. Thanks. Thank you. Jesse, right, thank you. The more yeah. I listen to Bishop Strickland every week, I mean, I I, you yeah, think I had one more, I had one more question from Terry. Well, stay, have, can he stay on? <laughs> I'm still can here. <laughs> stay on the other side of the stay, break. Yeah, I got, I got. Are you okay, Bishop? If you stay with us a little just more, just one more question. Sure. Oh, okay, stay All with right. us. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse show. I've got three <laughs> more questions for the Bishop. I got, I got one. All right. Hey, stay with us, family. We'll be back with the Terry and Jesse show with our special guest, Bishop. Joseph Strickland from the Diocese of Tyler. You won't want to miss what's up next. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Go ahead, Andrew, pray for us. Hey, man, that's right. One of the martyrs. That's wow. right. 
Bishop Strickland, uh, I've heard, I haven't kept up with it too much. Uh, there were some Catholics that were moving out there to Tyler, Texas, that were wanted to build kind of like a Catholic city. What's oh, yeah. going on with that? Veritas I haven't heard anything. Splendor, I think. What yeah. is it called? What, what's going on with that? Yeah, we can't hear, Mr. Engineer. Oh, now we can. Yes, it's Veritatis Splendor. Um, it's located in the diocese. That really is the main affiliation with the diocese. It's a, a separate organization that is incorporated and but they are making progress. Um, just faithful Catholics who want to support each other and and really build a community that is meant to support the people that live there and then reach out into the broader community. As I was saying earlier, here it's, we're less than 10% Catholic, but there are a lot of believing Christians who really need to know the fullness of their Christian faith which is proclaimed by the Catholic Church. So. Uh, it's going well. Yeah. Okay. Bishop Strickland, I, you probably heard, you know, you went out and uh, obviously believe everything about the deposit of faith and the Catholic faith, especially when it comes to uh, the demonic, that there is a devil. Because we had times when people were kind of saying, poo-pooing that, you know, ah, angels, that's just a figment of your imagination. Well, one of the bishops out in Switzerland has decided that he doesn't need an exorcist in his diocese. <laughs> He decided that, you know, the guy that died, we're not going to replace it because, as he said in the article, we have psychology, we have lots of therapy. And I just, I don't want to point fingers at him and say, what's wrong? It's, but where in the world is a successor of the apostle uh, coming up with ideas that uh, are so secular? What's happened to our church in regards to the formation for bishops, because I wish every bishop was just meat and potatoes, but we hear things in Germany and all over the country, all over the world, they're saying things that just aren't consistent. And I noticed that you're not afraid to call them out and say, look, I care for you, Brother Bishop. This is not what the church teaches. Please embrace what Christ teaches. So I want to hear your thoughts about this, about the demonic. Well, um, hear what Christ teaches. He talks frequently in the gospel about the reality. He says, some demons you can only get rid of with prayer and fasting. Um, the, the, if you look at the gospels just from that lens, very clearly, Jesus Christ gives testimony that evil personified in Satan is real. Yeah. And he urges us to, to be strong against that. He, he has conquered evil, and we can rely on, on his strength, but we've got to individually choose to plug into the strength of the Lord and that way combat evil in each of our lives. There, there's much foolishness that becomes really um, ugly and evil. I mean, like Jesse was talking about the, the group that was here in Tyler. Most of those people really were just sort of lost souls and looking for something to do. They weren't you know, deeply satanic or anything, but they, you can get into these things in, in simple ways, right. and then evil can get a hold of you. Once again, um, you renounce evil and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. The scriptures tell us his name is powerful, and we, we rely on the name of Jesus, the Son of God. Uh, but we've got to be awake and alert to the reality of evil, and we see it all over. Um, in, in every corner of our lives, we see aspects of the demonic. And 
once again, there's a, certainly there's holiness in the church and there's goodness in every person. Even that person caught up in evil, they can turn from it. Just like the ones in the gospel that Jesus frees from multiple demons. Um, that happens today with exorcists. And, and, you know, as you both know, the bishop is, by being bishop, de facto, the head exorcist. And so any appointed exorcist is there to assist the bishop. So um, this bishop that you mentioned, um, certainly we benefit from the sciences, but only if they are in line with ultimately the truth that God has revealed to us. And sometimes the sciences get so caught up in themselves that they can act as if they are God. And that gets dangerous and that can open the door to evil. We just have to be cautiously aware of that, always trusting in the Lord. And I always encourage people, and I've heard um, exorcists say, the power of the name of Jesus. I mean, if you get deeply caught up in evil, you need to, to find a priest. And, and very often, even here in not many Catholics, I mean, people will come to us as Catholic priests trying to deal with what they experience. When someone experiences evil, you don't have to convince them there's a devil or their demons are real. They experience it and they're looking for help. And thankfully, the church in her holiness, even though she is broken and sinful, the holiness of the church is there to help people that are facing the realities of evil. Got it. Yes, Bishop, I'm, I'm a very... Very happy to see that Archbishop Timothy Broglio, he was just elected the president of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. That I think that was the, an answer to a lot of people's prayers. But he said something that recently that all of us, and Terry and me have been talking about this for years, and we've known about this, and people have been trying to you know, you know, hide this under a bushel basket. He said this, quote, There is no question that the crisis of sexual abuse by priests in the USA is directly related to homosexuality. I think it's certainly an aspect of the sexual crisis, a sexual abuse crisis that can't be denied. I think it would be certainly be naive to suggest that there's no relationship between them. I say this because a lot of people since 2002, since the John Jay College of Criminal Justice report came out, uh, <clears throat> you know, they were obfuscating, they were deflecting, they were saying, no, no, it's... Uh, they, <laughs> they were trying to make excuses, but uh, Archbishop Broglio just put it right out there. He said, this is the problem that we have. Uh, again, uh, what, what's, what's your position? Are you with Broglio on this position? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> and I was very pleased that Archbishop Broglio was elected as president for the next three years of the USCCB. He's made some good statements. And it, again, like Terry and I talk about, it's just basic teaching. It's quoting the catechism. And, you know, the, the sad reality, the, the tragedy of the abuse crisis, there are many elements of it, but the homosexual reality is part of it. And, it's, and there were real clear attempts that have been recorded, um, not reported on a lot, but real measures. I mean, I'll say it. Theodore McCarrick specifically made sure, because he had power back in 2002, and people listened to him, and they didn't realize his corruption that's been laid out and proven. But he 
made a concerted effort to make sure it was all channeled toward pedophilia, which is a brokenness and a sinfulness that is tragic. But that wasn't the only element of the whole abuse crisis. And they tried to channel it all toward that. And that was a disservice to the people of God, just beyond the church and certainly to the church herself. We've got to face the truth and the reality of brokenness and sinfulness that is woven into the, the tragic abuse of God's children, sadly, by men ordained to bring them the fullness of sacrificial love in Jesus Christ. I mean, talk about demonic. I mean, wouldn't the devil love to have the men who were called to the deepest holiness caught up in the greatest evil? Yeah. And that's what we've seen. Exactly. Certainly, we always have to emphasize it's a small percentage in our in the church. And in our diocese, thankfully, I can't take credit for it, but my predecessor bishops, the two bishops that had to deal with it before, they were very clear and dealt with. Thankfully, we had minimal situations of any kind of abuse, but they dealt with it head on. And that's what we have to do. And that's what doesn't happen when we're not being honest about the, the pedophilia aspect, the homosexuality aspect, all the different things, the lack of faith aspect, all of the things that are woven into that abuse crisis. We have to expose all of it to the light and just be honest and recognize we're all sinners, but that sinfulness was used by Satan to, to do great damage to the church, the bride of Christ. The church is damaged and will be damaged. She's been through a lot through the centuries. She won't be destroyed because Amen. Christ is with us. Well Perry. said. Hey, last thing, Bishop Strickland, and I just, I mean, we'd love to have you longer, but I wanted to just tell people again about your once-a-week show, the Bishop Strickland Hour on Tuesdays here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I know that you actually uh, have a great love for uh, politicians, especially who are baptized Catholic, and you go after them in a loving way because, as Fulton Sheen says, if souls are saved, everything is saved. And I think of President Biden and Nancy Pelosi, who say they're practicing Catholics, but they are for killing innocent life. And your position on that, uh, can you just reiterate what you think uh, they should be doing and what you've called them to do as a bishop and as a shepherd? Well, Terry, as you know, we've talked for a couple of years now. I'm a simple guy. I'm not any great theologian. I'm not any great brain, but I can see the truth. And, and I think a lot of times it comes down to simple truth. Yeah. Yes, God is beyond our fathoming in his mystery. But the simple truths that he's revealed to us, we need to hang on to vigorously and joyfully. The truth is we're talking about a man named Joe and a woman named Nancy, children of God, one daughter, one son. And that's what we need to keep in focus. How can we as pastors help them toward their own salvation? I mean, the work of public service in an elected office should be about serving God's people, about living a vocation. That's what's important. And Sadly, our political system has gotten far from that. I mean, it, and it's not just, oh, well, that's the, what the Catholics are going to do. Sadly, even the Catholics aren't doing that. But that's what we should promote as bishops and as shepherds, as pastors, is to encourage people to live the truth of their faith and to embrace it. 
Instead, they compromise. Sadly, I'm sure many would argue, well, for them to get elected, they have to compromise. Well, that just shows how broken our reality is as a civilization. But we need people that stand for the truth and that are undaunted and speaking the truth. Sadly, they probably don't get elected these days. But the more they speak up, the more people will wake up. Well said, Bishop Strickland. Thank you very much for your clarity. I always enjoy the hour with you because we're quoting the catechism. We're quoting scripture. We're always talking about defending life. We're defending the Eucharist, defending our Blessed Mother. Folks, that show is on every Tuesday after the Terry and Jesse show. And again, don't forget to send Bishop Strickland a check, folks. The Diocese of Tyler. Why? Because we're supporting a man like this. Who else is doing this? Exactly. Thanks again, Bishop Strickland. God love you. God bless you. More when we come back on the Terry and Jesse show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse show. <laughs> I'd like to, Terry, I'd like to sure. talk a little bit about St. Andrew. Yeah, let's talk about day. him, man. Yeah. Yeah. He was, to, today, today we'll celebrate the feast day of St. Andrew the Apostle. He was uh, St. Peter's brother. That's right. Uh, and he's uh, he's one of the close collaborators of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's one of the close collaborators of of, of actually founding the Catholic Church. Yeah. Uh, he's best known for being a fisherman, like his brother Peter. Yes. Uh, he met Lord. He met the Lord first. By the way, he met you know uh, Peter met him after. In fact, Andrew introduced Peter to our Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the things that uh, that fascinates me about him. Is uh, is again, Terry? The way these people were willing to die. People don't die for a lie. We'll, we'll talk about how he died. Right. But Amazing. again, Saint Saint Andrew was one of the twelve apostles called by our Lord. And today's this feast day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's mentioned several times in the New Testament. He's known for being a fisherman, uh, the brother of Saint Peter, and 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 I'll tell you, it when Jesus called him. According to the Gospel of John, yeah. he was the first apostle that the Lord called to follow him. And you can read this in John chapter 1, verse 35, Matthew four eighteen, and Mark chapter 1, verse 16. In the Gospel of Mark, he's mentioned along with 11 other apostles. But what's interesting, because we're called to do the same thing. When you encounter Jesus... You're called to introduce him to others. Yes. That's what Andrew did. Yep. Andrew first encountered Jesus, and he didn't stay like that. Like, wow, I just found the pearl of great price. No, he introduced his brother Simon Peter to Jesus (laughs) in John chapter 1, verses 41 to 42, where we read about this first encounter. Uh, Then he immediately goes to share this, this news with his brother. It says this, quote, He first found his brother Simon... And said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, so you are Simon, son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. Again, you can read about this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 and Mark chapter, Mark chapter 1, verse 16 as well. Andrew and Simon Peter are shown as called by Christ right around the same time. And, uh, and and I'll tell you, 
what did St. Andrew the Apostle do after Jesus died? What did he do? After Jesus died, and the persecution within Judea and Samaria impelled the apostles to the mission of the Gentiles, the tradition of the church tells us that Andrew preached along the Black Sea That's right. as far as Kiev, Ukraine, Kiev. Yep. It was Russia Eastern back church. then. Yeah. Sure. yeah, he also preached in Greece, yep. and he also preached in what we call today Turkey. It was called back then Byzantium. <laughs> and so for this reason, the Orthodox churches centered in Constantinople, they consider St. Andrew the founder, their exactly. founder. And later preaching in Greece, this is where he would be martyred for his faith in Christ. So the tradition tells us that St. Andrew died in the city of Patras, which is in Greece, before his brother Peter. Right around 60 or 62 AD, 62 AD he was crucified, again, under the orders of Emperor Nero, on an X-shaped cross, and he was killed in this manner because, again, he, he thought that he was unworthy to be crucified like our Lord. Exactly. Well, a few years later, between 64 and 60, 68 AD, his brother Peter <laughs> would be crucified, him, upside down on Rome's Vatican Hill for the same reason. Both of them were crucified for preaching the risen Christ. Both of them believed that they were not worthy of being crucified like their master. And uh, the tradition also tells us that St. Andrew, while on an X-shaped cross, he was preaching from there for 48 hours. Isn't that days. incredible? Think about that. Power preaching with <laughs> devil-destroying theology. The people that were w- looking at him, yeah. and soldiers as well, yeah. the story goes that they were so moved this man is hanging on a cross, dying in front of our eyes, and he's still yelling at us and telling us, repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus Christ of Nazareth died for your sins. He rose from the dead. He's Lord of all. When they saw this uncompromising faith from this man who was you know, dying the most cruel death that the Romans could devise, this moved dozens and dozens and dozens of people to at that moment say, I want to be baptized. I want to be a follower of this Nazarene. I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so Pope Benedict, he actually said about St. Peter back in June 2006 in a homily, he said this, quote, he was, St. Andrew was truly a man of faith and hope. Thus, Andrew enjoyed precious moments of intimacy with Jesus. See, that that's the key here. Why can Andrew and Peter not deny Christ at the very end of their life, even they're in such pain? Why is that? Because they had intimacy with Christ. When you get to know Jesus Christ intimately from your interior, when you when you when your interior life is is formed by the Catholic faith and formed by Catholic piety and practices, you will be able to withstand anything. Terry? And I think St. Andrew is a great patron saint for our times, especially with this uh, same-sex marriage bill. Uh, You know what he would tell those senators. You know what he would tell the government. Mm. He'd say, you know what? It's no law at all because I'm going to say that marriage is between a man and a woman, and I'm, I'm willing to go down for it. And I think that's what we need to be doing also, Jesse. If if the government tries to tell us we have to change our moral teachings on abortion... we got to pull a St. Andrew. We have to pull a St. Andrew. You got it. 
No, really. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Jesse, I'm smiling at it. You know what, Jess? Let's be yeah. really honest. I've said this off the air with Jesse. I might be real frank, everybody. Do you really think this 60, 70 years, 80 for those who are strong is, you know, the ultimate? I mean, if you really do, I feel sorry for you. Because there's a sense as you get older and older, and Jesse, correct me if I'm wrong, as you get older and closer to Christ and you try to pray more and you get closer to him, you're actually looking forward to saying, man, dear Lord, I mean, I want to, I want to fight the good fight, but I'm, I'm actually really, want, I'm, I'm hungering for heaven. That's where we ha- need to be today because what's the worst thing they can do? Kill us, but they can't take us away from God. Terry, you're, you're so spot on. A, a good friend of, of uh, mine and Anita just died a few days ago. And I, I, I want to tell you the way she died because it, uh, you took the words right out of her mouth. Rest, her name's Elvie <laughs> Escobar. Rest in peace. She was a listener uh, of I, ours, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Loved, yeah she'd love this show. <laughs> so she's in, at Holy Cross Hospital yeah. in Mission Hills. She's dying of brain cancer. Oh, God. You know, her kids are around her, her husband, her fat people are visiting her. And uh, she told... Uh, her son, which is my son-in-law, yeah. you know, he's saying, mom, you know, mom, you know, mom, hold out, you know, mom. And she just looks at him and she says, she says, don't feel sorry for me. She says, I feel sorry for you that have to stay here. <laughs> she says, I know where I'm going. Don't cry for me. Don't feel sorry for me. I feel sorry for all of you that have to stay here because I know the door that I'm going through. Wow. She was talking about Jesus Christ, the door, yeah. John chapter 10. And again, she she lived and died in a state of grace. I, imagine this, confession, holy viaticum, wow. anointing of the sick, apostolic pardon, family members, including my wife, who flew wow. over there and just was around the uh, her, uh, her, her hospital bed praying litanies to the saints, litanies of rosaries, litanies, the litany of St. Michael, litany of St. Joseph, divine mercy. And Terry, she just had a smile in her face as, as, as she's dying. And my wife, you know, whispered in her ear, they're good friends. My wife just said, say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. You're going to see him. And then my son-in-law was inspired too. Good. He said, mom, mom, say yes to Jesus. Go, just go with Jesus. Let him take you by the arms. Mom, you're, you're suffering too much. I don't want to see you suffer. Just say yes to Jesus. So it, the people that were walking into that room that were seeing this, wow. a lot of them are secular, you know, half-hearted people, you know, uh, half-hearted Catholics. Yeah. They're walking out there and there's, there, you could see, Terry, that they were, That's awesome. they were impacted by what, by their saying, there's a few people here that really believe in this Jesus guy. Yeah. And like, wow, what do we believe in? It makes people really second guess the meaning and purpose of life. Oh, yeah. And it makes them realize that uh, life is short. We're not going to be here too long. And it's either A or B. Either Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God, who's the Savior of the human race, or he's not. It's, It's A or it's B. It can't be both. You can't be on the fence of this. Everybody has to ask themselves the question, is he God or is he a liar, as C.S. Lewis said. Well, guess what? Terry Barber and myself and our wives, we've made that decision a long time ago. Amen. You know, Jesse, that inspires me because there's an old saying, the way the tree bends is the way it falls. This woman obviously had a very close relationship with Jesus. Yes. Or she couldn't have done what she just did on her dying bed. You know, one of the prayers I've, I have right in my book here from St. Joseph. I know you'll like this one. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. 
I give you my heart and my soul. Mm. Jesus, Mary, and St. Joseph, assist me in my last agony. I've had friends pray that prayer, and this was years ago, and I I just had to write it down because I thought, and I would love to be able to do that. Jesus, Mary, and St. Joseph, Mm. I give you my heart and my soul. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, assist me in my last agony. What else is there? Hey, Jess, when we come yeah, back, exactly. we've what got church militant. I've got to go babysit, folks. i got a little grandson i got to go take care of. But Jess will take care of the church militant interview about the news that's happening in the church. And yeah, news the of the church. day. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say, uh, that uh, what's the lady's name? Because I still Elvia want to... Escobar. Escobar. Eternal Escobar. rest, grant unto Elvia Escobar, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon her. May the soul of Elvia Escobar, through the mercy of God... Rest in, in peace. peace. Amen. Wow. And Amen. I just want to, I just want to say, Jess, those are always inspirational. Holy deaths move people. Remember, Our Lady said it. Souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. She was praying, I'm sure, in her agony for the salvation of souls. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. There's going to be souls that are going to be affected positively through her suffering because, you know, without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. Amen. Yes, when we come back, uh, yep. Church Militant. Let's get to it, brother. You got it, brother. All right, we'll church be, Militant up next. You got it. Stay Stick with around. us. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on what? Virgin Most Powerful Radio. God bless you. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now... Here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse show. And as uh, every single Wednesday, I've got uh, what I call the the uh, uh, the sex crimes unit of the Catholic Church and the uh, uh, the uh, internal affairs of the Catholic Church. Nick Wiley from Church Militant. How are you, my friend? Welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. How are you today, Jesse? Great. Hey, you guys. Uh. You guys are uh, doing some great work out there, some great investigative reporting. We're, thank we're, you, thank we're, you. We're, we're just happy to have you guys on Wednesday and just kind of give us a briefing of what's going on with the evening news. What do you guys have on this evening for the viewers? Yeah, so thankfully we received word that a Nigerian priest, Father Peter Ukang, he was released from captivity along with five others from the St. Jude Society that were all kidnapped last praise week. Praise God, praise the Lord. Yeah. So as, as if people don't know, in Nigeria, that is not something that happens often. Normally, once these people are taken, they are killed. It's uh, listed as basically, by a lot of people, the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Over 5,000 Christians were killed in Nigeria last year. And so the fact that this priest and, his, and the five people that were going to minister with him were actually released from captivity is actually a, a very great blessing to hear. Uh, Nick, what what terrorist group is it? Is it is it Boko Haram that's out there in Nigeria? Boko yeah, so, Haram. I'm, I'm I don't remember exactly which one it is. Just there's, there's a there's a lot of different Muslim okay. groups and all that that are out there that are kill that have been killing Christians. It's been it's been a hard it's been a big problem. They've had a lot of people speak out about it that the Nigerian government needs to step in and do more to call out these these crimes against humanity that are being committed against Christians all the time. Last year, I think it was. At one point, it's like over 17 Christians being killed every single day in the country. It, it looks like the numbers are a little bit lower this year that I've seen, but it, it's still 
horrific and thousands of people dying there. It really makes you really makes you question the way we stand up for our faith here, you know, because we're this is not happening here. Here we're not worried about actually being killed for preaching the faith, and yet we we don't do it a lot of times. So it's really a wake up call, I think, to people in America that you know if you are someone who is scared to go and preach the faith, I mean, you have nothing to really be scared about. I mean, these people are being killed left and right for it. You need to be out there preaching the gospel. The, the most you're going to hear are some nasty words for the most part. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I've, I've read from other sources as well that there's a lot of Muslims every single year that convert to Christianity. They do it, obviously, they do it, you know, kind of under the radar. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't make, it doesn't make, uh, you know, the mainstream media, you know, you're not going to read this in the mainstream media, but uh, a lot of the underground reporting uh, every single year, apparently there's tens of thousands of Muslims that convert to either Catholic Christianity or Orthodox Christianity, which are the two the two choices back in the Middle East. And uh, and, and they do so because they just see the witness uh, or they just they see the barbarity of Islam, of people following the purity of the Quran. And they see that the enslavement, the the class system, women are second class citizens, and so uh, yeah. They're, they're, thanks be to God that there are ten. In fact, I actually read this on an Al Jazeera newspaper hmm. that there's. I still saved it. There's six million Muslims in the Middle East that convert to Christianity every year. Six wow. million. Praise God. Yeah, and and, and so, a lot of those conversions are that I've read in a lot of these Islamic websites from Christians, they say that Jesus, our Lord, is appearing to Muslims in record numbers. Wow. And, and, and in other words, because there's Catholic missionaries are afraid to go over there, probably Orthodox missionaries are afraid as well to say anything. They just want to kind of, you know, live and let live. Jesus is literally appearing to hundreds and hundreds of Muslims every single year, if thousands, I think the report said, and just calling them to himself and these muslims they fall on their knees and they cry and they say you are the son of god you you know so in other words because we are not doing our jobs uh, as lay catholics in terms of evangelization our lord jesus is coming from heaven and he's doing it for us Oh, yeah. Praise him for that. Yeah. I mean, there's there's tons of stories throughout history of, you know, just Mary or Jesus appearing to different people because they were good people outside of the fact that they weren't Catholic and, you know, showing them that this is that this is the true faith. And so the Lord does supply for those who are living according to the natural law. He, yes. he will provide a way if we don't provide the way there have been many stories in the past of, of him doing it. Because he, because we know that he doesn't want anyone to be eternally separated from him, but people will choose that. And even even if they don't know, even if they don't have the light of Christianity, St. Paul tells us they have the natural law. So if they're doing that, we, we know that the Lord at some point will offer them the grace to convert. And then they just have to choose that. Right. I think a lot, I think there's a lot of people out there that obviously don't know the gospel and aren't Christians, but they're people of goodwill. Yes. Uh, like, like it says in Luke 2.14, it says about the angels when they saw the the infant Jesus it says they said glory to God in the highest and peace to men of goodwill there's a lot of people in the middle east that through no fault of their own they're they're stuck on with islam because they were born and raised with they were spoon fed that but when they encounter christ because they are men and women of goodwill uh they come to faith in Jesus Christ and forsake everything else so so what's what's the second news item for today my friend 
Yeah, so we have in Wisconsin's Children's Hospital, they uh, actually have been hiring, you know, trans activists as chaplains and like spiritual directors for the hospital. And this is, it's, it's outrageous. It's, this is small children and the families of them, you know, the, the families that are obviously in distress. And when they, when they get come, when they get someone to talk to them, it's, you know, it's more and more these people who are trans activists and all who are, who are preaching the gospel to them, whatever that can possibly mean as a trans activist. It's just, it, it's, ho- it's horrible stuff for these people that are in need. Yeah, the word gospel means good news. So what, what, can, a, what can a trans activist, you know, we used to call them years ago transvestites. I don't think they use that word anymore. Uh, they, they, they call them uh, drag queens, I guess now. <laughs> but what possibly, what good news do they have? I mean, these are, these are individuals that are conflicted. They don't even know that they're men. Uh, they're conflicted about reality. They're conflicted about truth. What possibly can a person with this type of diabolical disorientation, uh, what, can they, what can they share with young people that's going to be beneficial to them, that's going to be redeeming? Nothing. Yeah, so uh, the, 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 uh, the one that just got hired, her name is uh, Kate, I believe. She posted in, uh, in June on her Facebook. She said, love Jesus, be gay, get ordained. And she, she got ordained as a minister and now serves as chaplain. And, uh, and just the thing, she's actually, she is a woman. I guess she still identifies as a woman, but the person she is engaged to is a woman who claims to be a man, basically. And so all, all through her social media posts, it's, it's all things about like, one is a poem about Jesus going to a gay bar. Another is... Um, a post about don't vote for people who would hurt the people you love. So basically using this emotional argument for people to vote Democrat because, you know, if you don't stand by um, the trans movement or gay mayor, gay so-called marriage or all those things, and you don't really love these people, you're trying to hurt them. I'll, I'll tell you something that makes my head spin when we're talking about this topic is when, when I see pictures of uh, Sam Brinton, who's, who heads Joe Biden's uh, mm-hmm. waste program, I guess he just caught got, he just got caught the other day uh, stealing something from the airport, yeah. stealing some luggage. But when you look at him and you say, "What world do we live in?" This guy has a high profile position in the Biden administration. He doesn't even know that he's a man, and we've yeah. got this guy that's overlooking nuclear energy or nuclear waste or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. That's why. That's. <laughs> But I mean, it's in, in a way, it's it's you kind of get what you deserve. Like the the way our our leaders and all we we get because that's what we as a as a population, maybe not we as individuals, but that's what we that's the way our culture, the way we've allowed things to happen. That that's what we deserve right now. We deserve the clown leadership that that we've gotten. <laughs> so, what's the third topic that you guys uh, are going to? What are you going to share tonight in the evening news? The third topic. Yeah, so this is actually a really super sad one. Um, the uh, the Canadian company, the fashion retailer called Simons, they ran this ad um, basically promoting assisted suicide. So it, it went through kind of the, they sensationalized and gave a, a beautiful story. It's, it's very well done visually and all, like all, everything looks great, but it's it's a very sad story of a 37 year old woman who chose to um, commit suicide in Canada because it, it's illegal there. And w- one of the things she says is. Dying in a hospital is not what's natural. It's not what's soft. 
in these kinds of moments, you need softness. She's a 37-year-old. Well, she was. She, she unfortunately, she took her life on October 24th, which was when the ad dropped. But um, she was terminally ill, and this is the way that she, quote-unquote, chose to go out. And it's, it's just sad because it means, really, there's no one around you loving you if you, if you, think, if you think that this is, this is the way to do it. Well, Nick, thanks, thanks so much for sharing what, uh, for the evening news tonight. And if people don't know about Church Militant Evening News, where can they watch this? Yeah, so you can always log on to our website, Church Militant, or you can go to our YouTube. It's, it's live streamed every night through both of those. But if, if you miss it, you can always go to our website, go to the shows, and go to Evening News, and you can always rewatch it. It gets uploaded like an hour or so later onto our website, and you can go back, rewatch it, see everything that's going on. We post everything on our website, but everything that won't get taken down from YouTube goes on YouTube as well. <laughs> yeah, you guys do a bang-up job every night with uh, news on the Catholic faith, the culture, and uh, everything that affects Catholics. You guys are the internal affairs of the Catholic Church. Keep up the good work, Nick. Say hi to all my brothers and sisters out there at Church Militant, and we'll see you guys next Wednesday. Absolutely. God bless, Jesse. All right, partner. God bless you. That was Church Militant. I watch them every single night. If you want to be up on what's going on in the culture and politics and in the church, you have to watch Church Militant Evening News. Stop watching the other alphabet news channels. Knock it off. Start watching Church Militant and get the real scoop or as they say, get the real dope on what's happening in the culture, in politics, and in the Catholic Church. Well, <clears throat> what's the bottom line? We're called to be great saints, live in a state of grace, don't live in a state of mortal sins. We are called to be great saints. Set yourselves apart from this corrupt generation. Be saints. You weren't made to fit in. You were born to stand out. As St. Peter says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Pray, hope, and don't worry. St. Father Pio would say, worry is useless. God is merciful, and God will hear your prayer. Call out to him. Psalm 69, verse 2. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. And remember, the battle cry of the Crusaders, Christus vinci, Christ conquers. Christus reina, Christ reigns. Christus imperat, Christ commands. Absolutely. Don't be discouraged. We serve the Virgin Most Powerful, a 12-star general. Pray a rosary every day. Read your Bible every day. Go to Mass as often as possible. Unite your prayers to the sword of St. Michael and continue delivering powerful blows to the kingdom of darkness and let's tear down the gates of hell. God bless you. Keep the faith. Wake up to Jesus, America. Wake up.